You're listening to the First Baptist Church of Marble Falls, Texas sermon podcast. For almost 130 years, FBCMF has served the Marble Falls and the Greater Highland Lakes area faithfully through children's programs, youth activities, and adult discipleship. We invite you to join us each and every Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. for deep fellowship, rich worship, and a spirit-filled message. Never miss an archived sermon by subscribing to our podcast on either SoundCloud or iTunes. For more information about our church or to watch a video version of this and other sermons, please visit us online at fbcmf.org. title of the sermon is Why Do We Need Deacons? And it's important because our church is going through a beginning, a two-week time of deacon nomination. And, uh, and it really is exciting for us. Here's what the Word of God says. Acts 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So there's the early church, and they have a huge conflict. So the twelve, meaning the apostles, gathered together all the disciples, which is all the church together, and they said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. And we will turn this responsibility over to them. And then we will give our attention to prayer and ministry of of the word. And this proposal pleased the whole group. And so here are the people they chose. They chose a man named Stephen who was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. They also chose Philip. They chose um, Procurus. They chose Nancanor. They chose Timon and um, Herminius. And Nicholas from Antioch, who's a convert to Judaism. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of even priests became obedient to the faith. All right. Peter, James, and John and all the apostles... Were, were totally overwhelmed, weren't they? The, the, the ministry was stacking up. Lots of people had come into the church. There were conflicts. There were issues. And so very wisely, what they said is, let's call out a very special group of servants. And the Greek word for a special group of servants is called deacons. It's a very biblical thing. Today, just as there was probably uh, in the church throughout history, there are a lot of people, though, who have the title deacon, just like people who have the title pastor, and they're just not very good at it. Um, it, They're only deacon, they're only servant by name, but they are not by, by how they act, by how they behave, in the same way that there are people with the title pastor, but they are not pastors really in how they act and how they behave. And the reason we need to really think about this is because we're about to choose some. God will lead us to nominate and and vote and write these names down. And so we need to think about it. 
And, and the reason that we need it today, uh, honestly, is the exact same reason that they needed it way back then in Acts chapter 6. Our church is growing as well. And on top of that, our ministries are exceedingly complex. We have missionary families in Honduras with children, and we need a special effort to try and take care of them. We need people communicating with them. On top of that, ministry here in Marble Falls is become, becoming more complex. We are about to begin a mission center over on Avenue R, and it's going to have a soup kitchen, a food pantry. We are starting our very first counseling center here out of our church starting in January. Our youth ministry is growing like crazy. Our children's ministry have a new vision for this upcoming year, as I talked about last week. We're starting a, uh, a big evangelism training all next year that's going to culminate with Revive 2020. You put all of this together on top of new ministries like the Legacy Ministry and the English Second Language Ministry and all of these things, y'all, we, we, our ministry here is complex. We have some stuff going on. And so in order for us to make disciples and, and wise theological, biblical decisions and train and help and serve and, and go to the hospitals and visit and be with people to do it, we, First Baptist Marble Falls needs, needs some help. Now, I, I know that, that all of you, all of your Christian life, y'all have heard so much about deacons. Y'all have heard about the, the, that the reason that pastor's kids are, are so bad is because they're always hanging out with deacon's kids. <laughs> You've heard all that. You, you've heard about how, you know, pastors are, are paid to be good, but deacons are good for nothing. Um, <laughs> you, you've heard all of that. And, and Well, all that is true, but I want to share with you all about why, why the deacons came on the whole field uh, to begin with. Uh, and he, here's the story. After Jesus ascended into heaven, there were about 120 Christians, and there were 12, there were 12 apostles. Now, 120 to be discipled and ministered to by 12, not so bad. A ratio of about 1 to 10, and you can disciple and help people that, in that um, uh, with those numbers. But very, very quickly in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost happened. And in that day in Jerusalem, it was called the Feast of Weeks, and there were people from all over the world that were there, and, and Peter was elected to stand up and preach. The Holy Spirit came like crazy, and, and the apostles started to speak in, in tongues. And as they did, all of the people heard the gospel message in their own language, and the Holy Spirit really did an amazing thing. And on that day, the Bible says, that when Peter gave the invitation to the message, the people were cut to the heart, and they said, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And they did, and the Bible says 3,000 people were added to the church. In one day, they became a megachurch. There is no slow growing, trying to build a good process. No, 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 no. The one day, 3,000. So 12 apostles who were discipling and ministering to about 120 now in one day had to minister to 3,120. And not only that, but, but immediately at the end of Acts chapter 2, uh, it, it says that 
the Lord continued, continued to add to their number daily those who were being saved. Picture the apostles. Days ago, we were ministering to 120, God. And you continue to bring more and more and more. What an exciting thing. It's revival. Who doesn't love a good revival? The, the apostles are loving it, but y'all, it is a madhouse. How are we going to disciple? Where do we put all of these people? Well, how do we do the Lord's Supper? The, everybody has to bring their own food uh, to do the Lord's Suppers now. We, we, we can't afford, how do we do all of this stuff? How do we be a, an intimate community? And they had to figure all of this out. 12 apostles to lead 120, sounds good. Um, 12 to lead 3,120, which quickly became 4,000, which quickly became 5,000. It's estimated by Acts chapter 7, by the stoning of the first deacon named Stephen, that in Jerusalem there were 29,000 Christians. What do you do? I want you to picture for a moment the, the 12 apostles. Uh, they had been intimate as a group, spending time together, walking with Jesus. And now, all of this work, all of these people, how do they get to it all? How do they minister? And, and not only that, but there are theological issues as well that they had to work out. The Trinity, they had to work out issues um, uh, about um, baptism and all kinds of issues, constant, plus they're having to write scripture. They don't have the New Testament the way that you and I do. How tired, how, how worn out, how frustrating must it have been? I, I picture a meeting where Peter asks all of the apostles, they haven't met together maybe in many, many months, and he says, hey, can we meet together again? We're the leaders of the church. We need to be spending some time together. And, and they said, yeah, let, let, let's try to figure out how to break away from all of the groups that we're discipling and teaching and meet together. And, and so they finally get to come together, and Peter said, so how are y'all doing? How, how is your walk with Jesus Christ? Have you been time been spending time with the Lord in prayer and meditation? Have you been memorizing scripture? Have you been singing? How's your personal walk with God going? And, and the apostles in the group just kind of lower their head. And, and uh, they, they're speechless for a little while. And finally, old Matthew speaks up and he, and he said, you know, um, Peter, I hate to admit this, but I, I haven't had a chance to even breathe. I haven't had a chance to even look up. He said, just a few days ago, I was ministering to 10, and now I have thousands of people that I'm having to try and disciple somehow. And he said, my wife had to introduce me to my own children the other day. I don't know what to do. H have any of y'all ever met a truly worn-out minister a really worn out pastor, every once in a while I'll go to convention and talk to some of my friends on the phone. And, and by and large, they're all, they have life about them and they're doing so well, but every once in a while I'll run into one and he's just so, so worn out. A number of years ago, I was in Austin at the Baptist General Convention of Texas, which our church is involved in and it's coming up in a few weeks in November and I'll go again and it's in Waco this year and, and, um, 
and, but it was in Austin that year, and I was talking to a buddy, and I hadn't seen him for a year, and the year before, he was vibrant, he, he, he was walking tall, it just seemed like he had a lot of energy, and he had vision, and then I go and I talk to him this year, um, and, and, and he looked radically different. It looked like he had aged, it looked like he, his hair was turning gray, and he was just kind of slumped over as he was walking, and, and I said, man, how are you doing? And, and he started telling me about his church and the things that were not going quite right. And, uh, and he said, Ross, would you pray, w- pray with me? I said, sure. And, and then, and we were about to leave, and he said, hey, by the, by the way, if, if you know of another church anywhere that's looking for a pastor, um, he said, I might, I might be interested. And he was just so worn out. And I didn't get into any of the details about what all was going on, but I could just see that, that he was... He was struggling. He walks away from me, and he goes, and he just kind of walks away alone. A really worn-out kind of preacher. I picture the apostles in this just kind of worn-out place, and they're being distanced from their families and the things that really, you know, give them life, but mostly they're, they're kind of feeling distant even from spending time praying with God. They hardly had time for anything. I like the story of the one pastor who is walking with his family next to the church building, And his three-year-old looks over at the church and says, Hey, look, Mommy, there's Daddy's house there. (laughs) It's the condition that we find the apostles in. And so Peter, he's aware of of all these issues. And then on top of that, there's the new biggest conflict that's just come up. The Hebrew um, widows are, are, are getting all the food. And then the Greek widows, they're being discriminated against probably because of race. And they say, look, we can't take this racism. Y'all need to give us food too. We're, we're struggling. And, and, and the apostles are saying, man, we want to help, but what, what, what can we do? There's just so, so many things. And, and so Peter is in this meeting with his apostles, and he goes, what do we do, guys? I'm open for any suggestions that you have. And one of them says, well, probably let's not fixate on the problem or who's at fault Let's just spend some time praying, and I bet God can reveal something to us. And then maybe John said, you know what? God can often take a problem and turn it into an opportunity when you pray to him. So let's start praying, and they did. And at some point, one of them came up with an idea called deacons. And I don't know, but, but maybe they got the idea from way back in Exodus 18, where when, when Moses was very, very wore out, and he had all of these people day and night coming to him, and, and he was doing all the ministry all by himself. And his father-in-law, a man named Jethro, showed up. And he gave Moses some, some wonderful advice. He says, Moses, why don't you just select men capable, uh, who, who are good at serving people, men who fear God, trustworthy men from all of the people who hate, men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands hundreds, fifties, and tens. And that's going to make your own load a lot easier because these guys are going to share it with you. And you know, that's exactly what they did in the passage I just read in Acts 6. And they they begin doing this. And y'all, please understand the challenges that the early church felt I, I think are very similar to the challenges that all of you and I am facing right now. First Baptist Marble Falls has these same kinds of challenges. 
And if we don't face them well and deal with them, the consequences are, are dire for us. The consequences were very severe if the apostles in the church didn't figure out what to do about this because what would have happened is the apostles would have stopped preaching and stopped teaching the word of God to people. That's what was on the line. And, and they needed the help so that the word of God could continue going out so that they could draw near to God and that they would have time to pray and have time to study and figure out some of these things and teach the people well. That was on the line. And if they didn't get help, that's what was going to, to disappear. That's a big deal, isn't it? I mean, of all the things that, that you don't want to disappear is the teaching of, of the word of God. It's a big, big deal. And so the apostles tell all of the church, we, we have an idea. It's not right for, for God's spiritual leaders to become so wrapped up in having to meet every single need, and there are a lot of them. So we can't do that. And, and because if we do, we're going to neglect the ministry of the word of God. You know, please don't misunderstand the apostles' heart. By no means are they saying that, that waiting on tables is somehow beneath them or, or, or that it's beneath their dignity to go and do that. No, 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 no. The, the apostles would have waited on tables all day long. Any pastor worth his salt will wait on tables. Any minister worth their salt, they're going to do anything they can do. They will clean out toilets. They will um, uh, dig they will work shovels. They will do anything like nothing, nothing, nothing is beneath a good minister. That's not the issue here. The apostles were great at waiting on tables. The issue is if they do that all day, then they're not going to be able to teach people the Bible, the word of God, and that's what they had to do. And so God gave them a great solution called, called deacons. Well, why don't you just get some special servants? Call them out. Let the church lay hands on them. Let, 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 you know, make sure that these are, are really strong people and then let them serve. John Stott, a, a, a wonderful biblical scholar, he said during this time in the early church, the devil tried three different things to destroy the church. The first thing he tried was persecution and that didn't work. The next thing he tried was um, getting the members to be uh, hypocritical and, and corrupt, and that did not work either. And so the last thing the devil tried to do is just make the teachers of the word of God too busy to teach the word of God. And y'all, that almost worked. And it works a lot today as well. Preachers get so busy that oftentimes they're not spending time studying. And they'll get sermons off the internet and they'll plagiarize. And I feel bad for them because you know that know what? None of them went into ministry thinking that that's the way it was going to go. None of them said, I, I, I picture my life in ministry and I'm just plagiarizing everybody else's sermons. But sometimes what will happen is people just get so busy and, and they don't have time to put in a whole lot of work that's needed. And then the word of God really is neglected. But we see that strongly in the text but I'll tell you another thing you see in the text is the apostles themselves are not the ones who chose the deacons I, this is an amazing thing to me the apostles tell the church 
choose seven men from among you. You, you do the choosing. Y'all vote on it. Y'all do it. We're just telling you the issue and that we can't take it anymore. But y'all, y'all make this happen. And I love it. It means that the apostles of the early church were not dictators. They weren't forcing all of this. And here in our church, that's the way that we do it too. Um, I don't just say, deacon, 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 deacon. Y'all are the new ones. Y'all come on up. And I'll, I want the church just to rubber stamp the whole thing. The deacons don't select their own deacons and create a good old boys club. That's not the way it works. They, they, they come and they, the deacons are nominated out of the actual church members every time. That's how it works. And it means that the Holy Spirit can guide you in this process just as easy as he can guide me. By the leading of the Holy Spirit in your own lives, you are very capable of writing down people's names that, that, that are right, that God wants you to write down, that will rise to the surface. You're capable of doing this very, very well. And so members of our church, if you're a member, you get to be a part of this, and I want you to be, but know that it's a huge responsibility. There have been a lot of church members in some churches who have not taken this responsibility very seriously, and it has become to them a popularity contest. Or, or, or people just choose their, their own friends. I like so-and-so. I'm going to select him. And they have selected men who are not qualified and who, who, who are not very good servants, and it severely hurts the church. We, we should not look for the richest person in the church, or we shouldn't look for the best businessman in the church, or the oldest, or the youngest, or even the person that you like the most, or even somebody who you're great friends with. Here's what you look for. You look and you pray for someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, filled with wisdom, and how they talk, and how they act, and somebody who you already notice that they are serving really well. It's kind of like, you know what, that person is a deacon and they don't even have the title. They're already serving like that. Um, and when we nominate these, if we don't take it seriously and choose people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, man, it hurts everybody. Everybody. There is a church up... Um, north of us, near Waco, who their deacons are so mean that their whole church has become notorious. They get rid of pastor after pastor after pastor. They can't keep anybody because there are a few deacons who are so mean, they want everything their own way, that they chase off every pastor that comes in. And y'all know what? At this point, all of the seminaries and in and, and the convention, if, you call, if they call them and say, hey, who would you recommend? They're so notorious for hurting pastors that, um, that, that I've heard people at the seminary and at the convention say, we're not going to um, recommend another pastor to you. Why should we? Why, why should we send to you our best and brightest just for you to hurt? just so that you, they, they, they have to leave. No, 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 we're, we're not going to do that anymore. It hurts the whole church. Just north of us here in Marble Falls, there's another church, 
and they, had, they, they treated their pastor so, the deacons, they have five deacons, and three of the five treated the pastor so badly that one day, right after they had baptized, and in a church that very, very rarely baptized, the pastor was doing good, and, and they had a big celebration, and he, he's talking to a couple of these deacons out on the front steps of the church, and one of them brags to the pastor about how he had kicked a member out of the church. The pastor said, you personally kicked them out? And the deacon said, yep. I went to him and told him that they weren't welcome in this church anymore. And the pastor said, well, you're not allowed to do that. And the deacon said, you bet your boots I am. And then the deacon said this, and by the way, We've done that to preachers, and we can do it to you too. <laughs> My goodness. Pastor ended up resigning the next week. Why? Because he, he saw, my goodness, how, how am I ever, how is the church supposed to be healthy when people are this mean? One of my very, very best friends in, in, in all of ministry, who is brilliant, he is great, he is a fantastic preacher, and he's been successful everywhere he has been, but, but his first church, there were a few deacons who were so cruel to him that they just didn't like him. He didn't do anything unethical, anything bad. They just personally had a problem with him, and they started telling other members of the church and people around the community that he was having affairs. They even said that their daughter was not his own daughter. And, and they started saying such horrible things about them and they brought the preacher in, and they tried to bully him and pressure him to resign. And the, and the preacher said, this should be a, I haven't done anything immoral or unethical. The church should vote on this. And, and what the deacons did is they said, fine. And they went out, and they got people who had never been to church as long as that preacher was there. They had never met. And all of these members started coming, and they voted out this preacher, voted out someone that they had never even met before. Many of them, because of that, well, y'all, that kind of thing happens sometimes. And so what do we look for? In Acts chapter 6, this is what they looked for, that if they were going to bring out servants, they had to be filled, filled with the Holy Spirit of God and filled with wisdom. That's what we look for. And if you want to know if somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the way that you know this is, is you examine the fruit of their life, the fruit of the Spirit that's in their life. Galatians 5.22 says that if you're filled with the fruit of the Spirit, then, then that fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. If you want to know if someone's filled with the Spirit, those are the things that you, that you look for. I'm going to take a break right here. And if you are about to be baptized, um, or if you're a family member of people who are about to be baptized, I want you to go out and start getting ready. And I'm going to finish the sermon, and then we're going to worship. And uh, so for all of you who are about to be baptized or family members of those, and would y'all do this? Y'all cheer for these folks as they go. What an exciting deal. Look at this, 
How exciting. There's a passage of Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that, that talks about the qualifications for, for deacons. But before any of that is relevant, that passage is completely based on this passage in Acts 6. Before all those qualifications, a man being filled with wisdom and the Holy Spirit is really what we look for. And so the early church, because they looked for that, they drew out these people like Stephen and Philip. Stephen, the very first deacon, it says that he was filled with the Spirit, and right after his ordination service, he goes out, and, and the Bible says that he began preaching the Word of God. And when he began preaching the Word of God, y'all, there was a man named Saul who was so angry about what this man Stephen, this deacon, was saying that he got a huge kind of a mob mentality group of people and they went out and they threw him to the ground. And, and, and Saul says, I'm going to hold all of your coats. And what I want you all to do is, is we're going to pick up rocks and we're going to stone him to death. He was just ordained the day before. That's an exciting thing, huh? You, you ordain, you're at the very top. Everybody is talking so well about you. Oh, Stephen, you're, you have a bright future here in the church. We're ordaining you. We love you. Man, Stephen, you're awesome. And he goes out and he preaches the word of God, and Stephen dies for the gospel the very next day. That's the first deacon. The next deacon, a man named Philip that we see recorded in the Bible. Um, the Bible said that, uh, that he's walking one day, and the Holy Spirit led him to run up to a man sitting on a chariot. Well, he didn't know anything about the man in the chariot. He didn't need to know anything about him. He didn't need to know where he was from at that moment or what he was doing. He didn't need to know his background. He didn't know, need to know how old he was, what race he was, nothing like that. He needed to know one thing. The Holy Spirit said, run. And that's all that Philip did. He, because he's filled with the Spirit, he's led by the Spirit, and the Spirit said, run up to him. And Philip runs up to the chariot, and when he gets up to it, he jumps up, and he sees a, an Ethiopian eunuch who had been turned away from Jerusalem, having had, you know, a difficult experience in that place at the temple. And, he, and he's reading the book of Isaiah, and, and Philip kindly asks the Ethiopian eunuch, do you know what it is that you're reading? And the, and the eunuch says, no, how can I? unless somebody explains it to me. And the deacon started explaining it. Leads him to the Lord. And as they're riding along, the Bible says that, that the Ethiopian man saw that there was some water, uh, maybe a little lake, maybe a pond, maybe a muddy puddle, I don't know. But he said, look, here's some water. Can you tell me why me, an Ethiopian eunuch, couldn't be baptized just like all the rest of you? What is the deacon going to do? Does he go back and he gets a council together and talk with all of the apostles? And he says, just wait a second, let me go check on all of this. No, because there are decisions 
that ministers and deacons have to make on the fly. You just have to know it intuitively. You have to know what's true and what's right and feel it deep down inside. He knew right then the Spirit said, you baptize this man. And he says, come on. And he takes that Ethiopian man down into the water and he baptizes him right then and there. I think that the deacons that we need are the kind that would be willing to die for the gospel, as Stephen, and the kind that run to do ministry. They run to do it instead of away from it. Deacons can either be like those deacons who are selfish and lazy and bullies and even evil and ungodly, or you can be like Stephen, you can be like Philip. And church, let me say to all of you, if all of you are not filled with the Holy Spirit yourself, how in the world will you ever nominate deacons who are? Will you bow your heads with me? You've been listening to the First Baptist Church of Marble Falls, Texas sermon podcast. Never miss an archived sermon by subscribing to our podcast on other SoundCloud or iTunes. For more information about our church or to watch a video version of this and other sermons, please visit us online at fbcmf.org.